Hello, welcome to the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. I'm your host, Erin. I'm a Philly-based healing artist, and this is a podcast to support your healing journey. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Living Open podcast. Today's episode is an interview with a repeat guest, Sophia Horniak of Divine Void, who you might remember from, I don't know, maybe two years ago. <laughs> um, and today's episode is on attuning to trust and navigating your own system. So Sophia uses she, her pronouns. She's a channeler, explorer of the Akasha and conduit. She comes from a family of root workers and operates as a conduit for frequencies that bridge you to your soul's remembering and connect you to the wholeness of your supreme self. Her passion is really to empower and encourage people to strengthen their own relationship with the divine that lives both within and without which probably most of you know, or some of you know, is something that's really important to me coming from a dogmatic religious Christian background specifically. And I don't really use the word divine personally, but I think getting to develop our own relationship with spirituality, with energy, with divine universe, nature, whatever it is that you connect with, if there is something that you connect with, is so powerful and so healing. And to take that back from systems, churches, whatever that we might have experienced that said, like, no, we get to tell you what spirituality is. We get to tell you what is divine. We get to tell you what that relationship should look like and be. We get to tell you what is holy. Um, so yeah, I think it's so powerful when we get to reclaim that relationship for ourselves, figure out what spirituality means to us and not figure out in a way that's like, here's all the answers, <laughs> but like soften into something that feels good in this moment and allowing that to shift whenever we want as well. So in this episode, we talk about how Sophia's spiritual journey and life have unfolded and changed over the pandemic, accepting your weird magic, finding acceptance and grace, being more of yourself, hyper-individuality, Libra Aries polarity, communicating with angels, learning the language of her guides, Spirituality is just a part of life, and we spend a lot of time talking about the healing modality that she has channeled over the past few years that is really about helping us attune more to trust. And at the end of the episode, she mentions she's running this lovely, amazing program, um, and we actually, the date has changed for that, so I just wanted to update you all. If you hear that, the program is actually open until April 24th. I think she said it was the 20th, um, but it's actually the 24th, so yeah. Before we get into the conversation, I also just wanted to say thank you so much to everyone who has shown so much love for this podcast and also so much love for Moonsign, my poetry collection that was just open for pre-order. Um, the last day to pre-order was Friday and I just really, really felt the love and I appreciate you all for being here and for supporting this show and for supporting my poetry, my art. It really means so much and I'm so excited to get the book to all of you who ordered it. Um, it will be out for regular order at the end of May, um, so stay tuned for that if you are interested in getting a copy and didn't get a chance to. Um, you can check out my email list to be the first to know when it's released. That's just at living-open.com slash subscribe. Link is in the description, all that jazz. Um, and I also wanted to say that I had an article that I wrote for Celti World um, just come out, and 
if you are queer and have religious trauma, it might be something that resonates with you. In the article, I tell the story of my partner doing a baptism reclamation ritual with me last summer where they baptized me in the bay near my hometown um, and how powerful it was. So yeah, I'll link to that in the description too if you want to read it and check it out. I will say I hate the title that they chose for it, but you don't always get to choose your own titles, so I'm clenching my whole body, but <laughs> everything else is everything else is um is what I wrote. And yeah. Uh hope you hope you enjoy it. Hope you check it out. And here is my conversation with the amazing Sophia. So, you know, I always like to start the show by talking about your journey and your are guest. You've been on the show before. Yes, <laughs> so. I'm so excited to be here again. <laughs> yeah, welcome back. Um, we've got a chance to hear a bit about your journey before. So I think it might be nice to talk about like how your spiritual journey, your life has sort of unfolded and changed over the pandemic in the past couple of years um, since we last heard from you? Yeah, um, that is a heavy and loaded <laughs> little journey, but, but you know, that it's like that for everyone, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of, for a lot of us, like, oh shit, what now? You know, and that, that forced isolation, and especially for me, because I gave birth during the pandemic, Mm-hmm. Um, and after I gave birth, um, my daughter stopped breathing like uh, a couple hours after I gave birth and she was in the NICU for 10 days. Um, so not only was I just kind of forced away from my family and friends and just in these quarters with my husband and, and son, but I, I it, that that line, that delicate line of life and death was ever present in my life, uh, right out the gate. Um, so in that it's interesting because as far away as we felt physically from everyone else, the only thing I could do is learn to reach out. I've always been a very independent, you know, I think a lot of us women of, of my generation, you know, I'm in my mid I'm, I'm going to say mid thirties, <laughs> late thirties, <laughs> but mid thirties. Um, you know, a, a lot of us are raised by single parents or divorced parents, and uh, a lot of us women tend to be very fiercely independent, which I think is beautiful. But it also kind of develops in a hyper, uh, not just independence, but in a a sense of like vulnerability is weak. And I think in that moment with my daughter. I had no other choice but to reach out to other people and be vulnerable. Um, I had a very hard birth and I opened myself up. And I think every person that messaged me, I was like, can you send energy? Can you pray? Can you, you know, can you light a candle? Can you talk to your guides? Can you like, and I've never been so uh, forthright in in Mm -hmm. any of that. Um. And I think that that, I think that that heart centric, that, that focus on the heart, uh, really blasted me open to seeing what that, you know, that we're never alone, regardless Mm -hmm. of how far away we are from somebody. And especially when it comes to spirit, you know, it's so crazy. So Before my daughter was born, a robin's nest kind of appeared underneath our awning. And so every day, fully gigantic pregnant, like I gained like 86 pounds and I'm only 5'2". So, you know, walking and (laughs) waddling to the window, I would check on the eggs. And I, I thought it was the cutest thing. And one day I noticed one of the eggs was gone. I was really sad. And the next day I came and there was a raven, not a crow a raven because it was huge underneath my awning on top of the nest. And it was gazing into my house directly at me. And at first I was like, this feels like a bad omen. But at the same time, I was like, not everything has to be bad. Right. And the dreams leading up to giving birth, I had one dream where I was freaking out. I was like, she's turning blue. She's turning, 
you know, and you're not doing anything. And then I had another dream where my guides came to me and they said, pray to Archangel Michael and Archangel Gabriel. Um, And I was not raised in a Christian household. I was not raised around Christianity. So that was kind of like strange for me. But but in that moment, I was like, whatever you say (laughs) goes, we're going to do it. Um, and so I think that when all of that happened, I really realized how much I was not alone. And I really realized how much, um, community means so much and not only in the sense of like, I think a lot of us, but we're kind of raised in this, what do we have to offer? How can I be better? How can I be more aware? But, you know, that grace of just accepting who you are, where you are, it's okay to be hurt and down. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say sorry if you messed up. Um, those are major lessons around her her issue. So anyhow, fast forward through that. Lots of stuff starts happening and this angelic presence is uh, pushing me more. And I, I lose my grandmother on Christmas Eve. Mm. Um and my grandmother was my mother. She raised me. And my grandmother, um, if you've listened to the last one, she was the one that raised me in our family practice of folk magic. And so that was really hard. But again, it it, it this it, it was interesting. My grandmother was a hard Southern woman, but it didn't matter if she hated you or like didn't just like uh, not necessarily hate you, but disagreed with you. She always accepted you. And I don't think I've ever met anyone that truly did that. And Mm. I really wanted to practice that grace. And in that practice, what I realized moving forth through the pandemic is that practice of grace and accepting other people where they at, where they are, was also being reflected in myself, not pushing myself so hard, recognizing that I do mess up, recognizing that I don't have all the answers. Um... Being okay with looking like a goof or being weird, like really, really accepting that weirdness. And I suffer from panic attacks. And I think one of the things that comes into your mind when you have an anxiety attack or a panic attack is I don't, I don't know why, but it's like, I don't want to look weird or I don't Mm -hmm. want people to notice this. And I kind of correlate that with this general sense of like, like accepting our weirdness and accepting all of that. So I think within that grace, as I got deeper and deeper into those lessons, it opened me up. It opened this portal up of just more information, more connections, more like really weird connections that I never thought I would get in touch with. Um, Extraordinary experiences. And I think some of that is because, you know, um, a lot of us, that struggle with, or a lot of us that are drawn to spirituality, either struggle with mental illness or have had those struggles in our household. And there's a level, I think, that we are just afraid to let go because we're afraid to look crazy or go crazy. Mm. But I think in that acceptance and that grace, um, if you can just let go a little bit and just accept maybe you're not going to be normal or quote, what is normal? <laughs> like my teacher once told me, um, she's like, wellness, uh, we're not well. <laughs> <laughs> but I think in accepting that, it allowed me to let go a little bit and open up to more <clears throat> sensational experiences and connections and get used mm-hmm. to it. So um, maybe that was a little metaphoric or poetic, but I, I, I mean, I feel like that is probably the biggest lesson was that, that form of grace in, uh, through the pandemic. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. And also, I just want to say like, you seem different, like you were lovely before, (laughs) but I feel like there's like a, a lightness to your energy in this moment or something like it, it feels really lovely. And yeah, I feel like I can tell <laughs> that some That's things awesome. have shifted and changed for you. Yeah. Thank you. They have. And I, I, yeah. I do like, man, if I can say 
if you can practice grace and it is a practice, everything is a practice and you just absorb or just like accept how weird you are. Mm-hmm. I literally have never felt so like me in my life. And I've always Ooh. been like a force. Like, I, you know, I'm an Aries rising and I'm a Libra. So I'm like, <laughs> I can get away with anything, you know, but um, there's, there is, I, I have never felt so me and like in my bag as I do right now. Yes. Fuck yeah. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) I also feel that and it feels good. Yes. (laughs) I'm wondering, like, I think that's so true. That's such an important part of being more you and accepting yourself is like all the weird stuff about me. Like it's okay. It's fine. It's great even. And, um, I don't have to be in quotes normal or like whatever that is, Mm -hmm. but it's so much easier said than done. I think like that's been, I think that's been like a lifelong thing for me. And when I'm trying to think about what even is it that's helped me like be more accepting towards myself and find that grace like you're talking about. And I'm like, I think it's, it's time. It's letting it be seen. It's like that vulnerability piece that you talk about. Like when you show those weird parts of yourself to someone and they're like, Oh, that's so funny. Or I love that about you. It's like, Oh, you see it in a little bit of a different light. I think it's that. I think it's all the other healing work that I've done in more specific things and ways. It's like, I don't, it feels like a big combination of things. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can totally agree. Like, it feels like for me, like a trifecta or like, you know, there's no one way that I found this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was stuff that happened with friends and stuff that happened in my relationship and stuff that happened as a mother and stuff that happened in my practice. So there's just so many angles to it. But um, I, what I, I do like to say is it, it is a practice. And so with mm-hmm. anything that you practice, you dip your toe in a little bit. So you're mm-hmm. like, you know what, if I want to eat that cookie, I'm not going to be hard on myself. I'm going to eat the cookie. Fuck it. And then you, you dip it a little more. Like I might mention astrology around this person. Let's see what their reaction is. And then you're like, <laughs> fuck it. And then you, <laughs> so it's like, you know, this like slow roll to it. But I think mm-hmm. that is, the more you feel closer to yourself and just start to accept those wonky parts of yourself, I think that's how you start to find your people. And I think that in a lot of my clients and my practice, I find a lot of people like me who kind of just never felt a part of a crew or group. And I always feel like an outsider. And I think the more that I and and more me and vocalize it and again like in my bag and just saying like you know the likes don't matter and the people don't matter i'm just going to do my thing um you attract your people and there's there is honestly nothing more true than that and i think that that's what we're all looking for is just acceptance and and we're just trying to find our pack Yeah, I think that's so true. And that makes me think about what you said about feeling like you needed to be so independent and like take care of everything on your own. And I resonate with that so much. I'm like, I don't know if that's the Aries in us, the capitalism (laughs) is the whatever, but (laughs) my Aries moon and probably a bunch of trauma is like, you need to be hyper independent and you can't rely on anybody, only yourself. And it's really dangerous to need anybody else. Um, And I think for me, that has just felt like a really small and sad way to live. Like, I think it is safer, but like, it's also protecting me from beautiful connection and like really deep love. And I don't want to protect myself from those things. Like I want to have those experiences. So that really resonated around independence and vulnerability too. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think that, one of, you know, my husband is completely opposite of me (laughs) and he's the kind of person that will bend over backwards and like also apologize. He's a hyper, you know, he (laughs) he grew up in um, upstate New York, you know, Catholic family. So he's very like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You know, very proper. Um, But when we talk about like acts of love, I try to explain to him and I, and in explaining to him, I'm also explaining it to myself. Mm-hmm. When somebody is offering to do something for you, you shouldn't apologize because they are 
offering that out of love or out of kindness or, you know, even if it puts them out of their own way. And I think when you think of it like that versus Mm -hmm. like the opposite where I used to be like, oh, you think I can't do this myself? When you think of Mm -hmm. it in a different lens, it really helps you to be a little more accepting and um, able to accept that love and help and, and guidance. We don't have to do it all on our own. Yeah, I think there's been something for me there too that's about like trusting that when people offer help, it's genuine. And I think there's a fear of like, it's rude to take someone up on their offer to help you. You know, they don't really mean it. Like you can't say yes, you're supposed to say no. And I've been like going more and rolling that back and being like, actually, like if someone is offering to help and support, then I can trust that they are being genuine and they mean it. And if they're not, then they can tell me that, or they can have a whole healing process around that too. Like (laughs) that's cool. But like, (laughs) we're like meant to be in connection with each other and taking care of each other and helping each other. And when I also think about how I like to help people, I'm like, that feels really good and fulfilling and meaningful to offer support and help. So why would I think that nobody else around me feels that way too, you know? (laughs) Totally. For sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, I um since you mentioned the Libra Aries <laughs> connection, I am so curious to hear your thoughts about like how you hold those energies in yourself. Um I have a Libra sun and an Aries moon, so that's like a really present um mm-hmm. connection for me and yeah, I'm curious about how you relate to both of those like polar and connected energies in you. So it's funny because, you know, I'm a a Libra sun, I'm an Aries rising, and I'm a Pisces moon. Mm. So if I could, I couldn't be more Libra to a T than my signs as a whole, like giving (laughs) (laughs) balance. You know, I, I, I really feel that the, the memes and stuff out there about Libra are such a a cop out because uh, Libra's are, are definitely uh, diplomatic. And yeah, maybe we have a hard time making a choice, but I don't think it's the choice. It's like we like to weigh our options. We like to look at things from both sides. Um, we do feel there is justice and everybody can have a piece. And I think that Libra is a very strong advocate for even their worst foes. So with Aries, my Aries rising, I do kind of show up as a force and I can be, you know, I can blaze forward and just like not think twice. And I, it took me a long time to get that in check. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But I think that the Libra kind of like balances out that, okay, hold on, like, let's weigh our options a little bit or maybe like tempers the reactionary uh, Aries. And that Pisces moon just gets me in my feelings, you know, <laughs> that Pisces moon is like, maybe there's like a, a bigger thing to all of this. Maybe like, maybe we're all just trying to figure it out. <laughs> so uh-huh. like, weird place. And then, you know, my, my, uh, my Venus is in Virgo. Um, so it's like, I'm, I'm always trying to make sure I'm helping, you know, in the right way. And, you know, that's how I show love. So it's, it's a really interesting little cube or Rubik's cube of like, what, who needs to show up a little bit more, but who needs to balance each other out. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I can definitely slide into my moon and get really fantastical. And I can definitely just like blaze forth when I need to, but that Libra always keeps me balanced and in check. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I love how everything works together. And yeah. it's like, and when you say you have a Pisces moon, I'm like, of course you're a psychic. You have a Pisces <laughs> yeah. moon. <laughs> Very much checks out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of which, you mentioned like how you started communicating with the angels and how that was like a new and surprising experience for you too. And I think that's part of your work that you've shifted into over the pandemic. So I would love to hear 
anything, everything you want to share? Like, what's the work yeah. like communicating with the angels? What's that about? All of it. <laughs> so I've always had like some sort of vague communication with them since I was a kid. Um, I remember having a dream specifically where I was walking towards a pew and there was St. Augustine to my left and Michael on my right. But again, I wasn't really raised Christian or Catholic, so I didn't really understand what that was. But I always, um, you know, uh, it's funny. When I was a kid, I lived in Germany, and I had this little jewelry box, and um, I had, like, different pieces of jewelry that my grandma gave me, and one of them was a cross. And I used to, like, wrap them in tissue and put them in the jewelry box. And I realized now I was, like, treating them as relics. I was treating Mm -hmm. them as, like, pieces for my altar. Um, So there was definitely some deeper connection there. But for three years before even the pandemic, I was being told by a couple other um, Akashic Records and psychics uh, that I would see that I was meant to pull down a modality And that feels huge. Like, (laughs) that feels like, what? (laughs) I don't even know where to start, right? Um, And then in my own practice, you know, I started taking a teacher training under Helen Vonderheide. And I told her up front, like, hey, I know this is for Akashic Records, but like, I don't think this is where I'm working. And uh, I started feeling that my shift was, the frequency was different when I would go to the records. So I wasn't going to the records anymore. You don't really go to the records. It's a Mm -hmm. frequency that you're on. Um, And so I just kind of in that grace, let go of control of trying to confine or label where I was going, what I was doing, who was talking to me. Mm -hmm. Um, It just kind of didn't seem like it mattered. And so I would go on the breadcrumb trail and I would get really (laughs) close and they would like rip it away from me. And, you know, so um, there was a lot of uh, energy around portals and there was a lot of energy around the Book of the Dead. And I would get so close and it pulled me back. And then I started diving really deep into Carl Jung's Red Book, where he actually went through a uh, a psychotic break in on purpose like he did it to pull i i guess his own modality which came from that was the individuation and and shadow work and all of that work so um i started deep diving into that and then i got pulled back again and then i started diving really deep um so I i kept going through these traditions and what i realized is they were helping me research and i I remember specifically in one of my channelings, I was like, who is here? And they said the monarchs. And I'm thinking, okay, let me Google that. Let me mm-hmm. <laughs> look through. And I looked through all the angelic choirs and I could not find it. And I looked through like all this, this like old uh, mystic Kabbalah um, and even like Gnostic realms of, of where they hold different angelic um, groups. And I didn't see anything that, looked like monarchs or anything like that. So I was like, you know what, maybe, maybe that goes to the side because during this process, I'm also learning the language of my guides. I'm also learning the language of my navigation system. And -hmm. what I realized is not everything necessarily has a meaning, but it has a, like almost like a, um, a mile marker. So sometimes they would show me things or say things to me, and then they would happen six months down the road. And I was like, oh, this is the mile marker. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I got to learn that, which brings, you know, I, I fold that into my curriculum. But <clears throat> so I finally, I, I'm sitting in my bed one day, actually. Um, yeah, I am sitting in my bed one day and I could feel like forcible, like almost like this word wanted to come out. And it was so mm. like, I, I like couldn't, I, and I think I'm watching like Real Housewives or something. So I'm like, there's <laughs> no way, like I've had this shut down, you know, mm. there's, you know, I'm, but it was, it was so intense. So I, um, because I'm an automatic writer, I pull out my notebook that's always there and I write it down. And they want me to look into the lesser and greater keys of Solomon and uh, the angelical language. Um, 
So I started doing a lot of research. And uh, again, like, you know, starting this off, when I first started as Divine Void, I thought it was just going to be like a, a shop and read tarot or, mm. you know, do, you know, I, I didn't think I was going to be looking at um, the UK's archives for, you know, uh, John D's old uh, journals or, <laughs> like you know, so it's, I feel like there's a meme in there somewhere that could yeah. be made. <laughs> Definitely like Charlie Day looking for um, Pepe Severso in the back of the mailroom with the different like lines. That was a thousand percent me for the last three years. So, um, so anyhow, um, doing all this research while doing my teacher training and going through these vibrational prompts um, really ushered in a lot of communication and I think stabilizing and harmonizing to what I allowed in and what my frequency wants to attach to. So um, I I finally find this information and it's basically um, in the Enochian realm of magic, um, there's a lesser known practice called heptarchia. And heptarchia is uh, essentially um, – the invoking of the angels of the seven ancient spheres. So that is planetary spheres. But in this um, tradition, um, you look at it from the form of, uh, they say, I think it's in either Revelation. I'm pretty sure it's Revelations or the Book of Enoch, but I'm pretty sure it's Revelations. They say that it's the seven um, burning ones in front of, in the presence of God, and they're the ones that run the universe. So it is an archetype, Mm -hmm. but in the idea of this is the angelic realm. Within each sphere are the princes um, and the kings. And my mind just like exploded. Like I was like, (laughs) holy shit. Like what, you know, no one that I've talked to has ever mentioned this work. No one I've ever talked to. And, you know, I, outside of being a psychic medium, I do practice in the Western mysteries tradition. So hermeticism, mystic Kabbalah, um, Gnostic like research is what I do. And um, even looking at the book of Enoch and revelations, you know, we don't look at that as necessarily a dogma, but more of a subrosa text of, of mystic proportions. Mm-hmm. So it's mind blowing. And when I tap in, that's when stuff starts exploding and it just starts pouring in and they start giving me, um, direction. They start giving me clear, um, signs. They're giving me clear communication. Um, And just the energy work is just mind blowing. And I I think that this practice and and in working with them, like you said, you know, I seem so much more lighter and different. And like, Mm -hmm. I do attribute that to, to this work with them. And so what comes through really is I I realized that all this ancient text, right? I'm looking at um, lesser and greater keys of Solomon, and I'm looking at uh, revelations in Edgar case and, uh, Edgar case is early 1900s and Solomon's like 15, 14, no, uh, it's, uh, 9th BC. I, yeah, I, I'm whatever, who, who cares? So it's really, it's, rather, it's, it's old, like, <laughs> just like us. I realized, right. Just like us. <laughs> I realized what is time anyways. Right. Um, yeah. So what I realized is like there's some verbiage or words that they didn't have in certain eras that they had in, 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 you know, closer to our time. And then taking from Revelations, moving to Carl Jung, I realized that there are plugs where they didn't have the, the language mm-hmm. um, for that during Edgar Cayce's time, but Carl Jung did. And so I, it's like, it's this mercurial thing where I'm just moving certain things that are very similar and just like kind of propping them together like a puzzle. Mm. Um, and I think that that's what our, our spiritual 
practices or worlds or lifestyles are. We're just grabbing puzzle pieces, right? Constantly breadcrumbs. Mm -hmm. And then like, there's always a part where they all click, but then you have more on the outside. And I feel like this work, I'm looking at these different time periods and all of these people are looking for the same thing. They just don't have the language for them or haven't discovered it yet or haven't whatever. And so when I start putting them together, I'm like, oh my God, this body of work is insane. It's crazy. And so ultimately I talk to them and I'm like, first off, why me? Like, mm. <laughs> like I'm beyond humbled. I, I don't even know how to, where to start, what to do, but why? And so what they explained to me is that, um, first off, I think a lot of us who follow a lot of spiritual practitioners and leaders, we keep hearing about this like big remembering and this new earth and this new mm. whatever. And, you know, uh, one of the things I learned in some of my research is uh, Alan Kardec uh, did this um, this thing and he asked them about language and the spirits were like, you guys take everything so literal. Like <laughs> every fight that humans have, it's over language because somebody says something uh, and it means one thing to them and one thing to another. And part of all of this, like pulling back, I realized that what they were doing is making me learn the language of my spirits, learn the language and the symbolism in which they speak to me. Like not everything is so literal. So I'm like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Um, and, and then what they kind of ushered in was they really want us to understand the divinity within and the power that we have where we are, who we are now, not when we have healing, not when we've healed our inner child, not when, I mean, this, that kind of work is, is lifetimes and lifetimes and lifetimes. We're never going to achieve that, but the wisdom is in the experience in which we are living life now. And they want us to co-collaborate, not necessarily feel like, oh, I have to blindly follow what spirit says or what whatever you you have discernment you have sovereignty to say like hey like this doesn't work down here right now or not right now i don't think i can handle all of this or um you can say to them if you are a channeler you can simply say like look i'm i'm good for whatever that comes in as long as it doesn't um <clears throat> as long as my body can handle it, please stop before my body burns out. Or, you know, you have the power to do that. And I, I think that they really want us to work because, you know, as above, so below, but we're not completely, I think, I think we've all kind of got it backwards. We're not looking to ascend. The wisdom is here. Mm -hmm. We are actively working out wisdom. We are actively experiencing that divine mystery. It's just a mystery to us. And so um, it just like all of this stuff kind of compiled into this giant cauldron. And I was like, oh my gosh, like it's not about where I'm going to go, who I'm going to become. It's who I am right now. And if I recognize that power, that is just so powerful. Um, and I saw that in my clients, a lot of them, gosh, are so like gifted and receive so much guidance, but they're always afraid. There's always like, oh, I just, I want to turn it off or I don't know about these lower entities or I don't know how to do this or whatever. And um, I don't know, I'm going to do a, a Reiki practice or maybe should I do an Akashic Records training or, you know, mm -hmm. and what I'm, I'm looking at is they want you to just harmonize with your own channel and learn the language of your own spirits and your own frequency. Everyone is a little different, but that, that, that individuation is the important thing. And that individuation is usually hidden within the shadow, which, you know, really clicked in from my old work because for me, shadow, especially under Carl Jung, shadow is not like how we see it, the shadowy stuff. It's the stuff that hides the light that has been buried by programming and by outside influences and by what we feel responsible to and for instead of recognizing that that weirdness is the superpower, mm -hmm. right? And so yeah. I built this body of work 
Um, and this, and this great remembering isn't, you know, us remembering who we were in Atlantis. (laughs) It's it's remembering the traditions and the practices and the warding and the, you know, all of that stuff. It's remembering the stuff that was given to us when we were a little bit more open, when there was less pressure, when there was less, um, things grabbing out of our attention. That is the great remembering and putting it here in a modern container. Um, those are Mary Gracie, uh, Gracie's words. So she, she gets modern container, but <laughs> bringing it here into this modern container where now we have so much wisdom attached to the language that they didn't have. And we have the power to recognize our own power now. And I think that the chaos in the world, um, really, it's a microcosmic, macrocosmic thing. It's not about us being like, oh, it's all about me and I need to work on me. But when you work on yourself and you recognize that power with yourself, you start to, um, you start to change your environment. You know, uh, one of my favorite, uh, Bhakti leaders, he, he says, you know, spirituality is like a perfume. Even if somebody else isn't wearing it, they're going to smell that perfume off of you. Mm. And so I think in order for us to help our world, we just need to help ourselves first and that perfume that we wear is going to draw someone's attention. And that becomes that dipping my toe into the water and saying like, hey, what's your moon? Are you into that? You know, that, that <laughs> does convert into our real lives. Um, and so this body of work is, is really helping people attune to trust mm-hmm. and helping them navigate their own system um, I'm not attuning you to the Akashic records or to the Reiki energy or to any other energy outside of what wants to come into your field and helping you navigate that system. But ultimately that experience is your experience. Um, and it's really cool because I, you know, before I, I got on this podcast, I was like, well, you and I were having some trouble with Zoom and I have this um, <clears throat> book, which is the the angelical language, mm-hmm. um, the tongue of the angels by uh, Aaron Leek. And I opened it. I just opened it randomly, of course. Right. Of course. And, <laughs> and I read the the paragraph where he talks about the importance of heptarchia and Gablefall. And Gablefall is very similar to uh, Lent or counting Omer, uh, the time after Easter, which is coming up. Mm-hmm. And that is a time where in you when you count Omer in Kabbalah, or I think in Judaism as well, um, you're just doing random acts of kindness. Or if you are under, you know, the Kabbalistic tradition, you do random acts under each sphere. Um, it's kind of a clearing, right? Just like Lent. It's kind of a, a, a clearing of the soul. Um, but he says there's a connection to that because we're clearing ourselves and then working with the heptarchic, um, the angels. And that is how John D received his bigger Enochian um, book, uh, mm-hmm. Legodoth, which is the main body of, of uh, Enochian magic. So, it's funny because that reflected in this this three year period of me actively trying to go through my own stuff and learn grace and kind of purge like what I'm supposed mm-hmm. to do and, and really work all of that out. Um, I, I hit this place where I meet these heptarchic angels and I'm given this body of work. So I think it's pretty incredible. So this body of work is two parts. And that first part is it is teaching people and understanding language. And this is all through the research that I've done through Eliphas uh, Levy and um, um, Alan Kardec and all of the stuff that I've read. And I compiled it to stuff that actually like is easy to digest, right? Because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you can apply it. Um, the importance of understanding spirits and lower entities to higher entities, because that's that's a lot of, I think that uncertainty is the foundation of fear. And that's what scares us from diving in. And then the second, that part is, then we start to attune and you're actively in your field pulling information out. So it is an experience mm-hmm. curriculum. And then the second part, we do do the full body heptarchic seven, seven spheres of, and it's a, a ritualistic centric practice 
of curriculum. So it does, it does call for some discipline, but the way they show it to me from being called the monarchs is our, if we are, if they are, if we are part of the divine, whether we, however you want to say it in your tradition, whether you are made in God's image, whether you are a piece of the divine, whatever that is, you, you look at yourself like a king or queen, right? You look at yourself as a sovereign and we look at our world as our kingdom. And so the different spheres kind of represent the different um, people around us or pieces in us. So, you know, Mars would be, we think war, but it's also defense and organization. Uh, Jupiter is expansion. Venus is productivity and love and communication. Or Mercury is also communication, but it's magic and it's logistics and it's language. So there's these pieces of ourselves that probably need a little support and propped up after the attunement. And what we're doing is we're calling them in, invoking them within to help kind of harmonize us to what is right for us right now as we are showing up now. Um, so that was a lot, but it's, <laughs> it's, 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 you know, it is a serious uh, body of work. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing about it so much. I'm finding it so fascinating. <laughs> and <laughs> I think especially those pieces about like accepting yourself and trusting yourself and knowing that like living is healing. That's yeah. what we're here to do is to live. And that can be a healing experience. Um, I think it's so beautiful. And I'm just kind of floored by like, your dedication and openness in allowing this to come through and being like, yeah, I'm going to follow this and I'm going to trust it. And I'm going to follow the breadcrumbs and the puzzle pieces and attach the little things a string and be like, duh, 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 duh. yeah, <laughs> it's really I mean, incredible. Those, those moments are like so hard, you know? Um, I think like we're talking about it now and we're like smiling and like, oh gosh, like when it happens to me, mm -hmm. um, I'm still, but there's definitely moments of doubt where you're like, am I just fucking crazy? Like, am I, like, am I not living in the real world? We all have those moments, but you know, um, that really brings me to this other part of my work that I started doing, which is like start a YouTube channel called story weaving. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, we had this conversation, uh, of course, right before we started the zoom, but I think the community around spirituality and healing has become very monotonous and become very like heavy and ultimately, like spirit just wants to play and spirit, mm -hmm. you know, when we talk about things like money and and our lives, like we, if we look at it, like I want to play versus I need it, it kind of changes the perspective a little bit. And um, I think that those moments, those breadcrumbs, those those inklings, those synchronicities, those dreams, whatever we have always, those are those moments that really make us believe, that mm -hmm. really give us like some kind kind of trust to something bigger than us or even just within ourselves. And um, I was like, you know, this is the stuff we need to be sharing because there's a lot of us that hold these things so close to our hearts because, yeah, some of it's sacred, but most of us are scared someone's going to think we're batshit crazy mm. or someone's going to be like, this person <laughs> thinks she's the Messiah or, you know, whatever. But mm -hmm. we all have these experiences or some of us, or if you're listening to this, you probably do. And <laughs> I was like, we should be having fun with this. We should be sharing and letting each other know that it's okay to feel self-conscious in the moment because we all go through that. But that that breadcrumb thing is, yeah, it's hard. But I, I, I did, I did have a moment last fall where I was like, I can't do this anymore. You guys aren't. <laughs> I'm doing everything you're telling me to do. Like I can't. And I was like really upset and breaking down, and I wanted to quit. I really did. I, I like was so upset. We were really struggling financially. Um, it was really hard. And <clears throat> I just had a moment where I was like, there is literally nothing else that I want to do, though. And mm -hmm. there is nothing else that I feel called to do so passionately. And every time I have fallen, every time that I felt like there was no hope, every time that I felt like real life was too hard, I have always been caught by some kind of safety net. And I do mm -hmm. think that's the universe holding me. So whether it is in a financial way of like, 
a random check showing up that we didn't know was coming or my husband hitting an NFT and making four grand or, you know, um, an opportunity coming through or whatever that is, or just a friend calling you and being like, man, what you told me a year ago changed my life. You know, Mm. I feel like that guidance is so important. And ultimately for me, who came from poverty, who is mixed uh, a mixed race and grew up in the South and um, dealt with uh, rape and abuse and all of those things and faced homelessness. Um, spirit was what pulled me through and keeping my faith in that really brought me to a life that I never thought that I would live. It, mm. I never thought I would have a loving husband or live in a beautiful home or be talking on a podcast about this work, mm. you know? And so if we can learn to trust just a little bit and practice that trust, we can, we can do so much. They have faith in us. We just have to have faith in them and faith in ourselves. Mm. And I think that this was what this work is about. Yeah. Yeah. That feels so beautiful. And and so true. Can you tell people how they can get into this work with you? Yeah, sure. So um, the first part of this work, so it's a two-part series. Uh, the first part starts uh, April 20th. Um, you can sign up on my website. It's uh, Um There are payment plans uh, involved in that, and there are also discounts. But in order to do the second part, the ritual heptarchic centric uh, practice, you have to do the first level. Um, but yeah, so you can find that on my website. You can go to my Instagram, uh, Divine Void Sophia with a PH. Um, and that's in my link tree. And uh, yeah, that's how you can find me. Amazing. I do want to ask you, even though you've answered this before, what living open means to you since who knows, maybe in this moment it feels different. So what's up? How does living open feel? (laughs) Right now, living open is just being loud and proud about your weirdness. Because Mm. when you tap into that, nothing else matters. And I think that that's living open. Fuck yeah. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck yes. (laughs) Fuck yes. Thank you so much for being here, Sophia. (laughs) Thanks for having me. This has been a joy and Man, my heart is pounding from all the passion I have (laughs) in sharing this. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, please do tap five stars and leave us a nice review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. I appreciate it so, so much. And it's a really lovely way to be in exchange with the show, with an indie podcast. You can check out all the links mentioned in this episode in the description, and I'll be back on Monday with another episode. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it, and stay in touch on Instagram at E-R-Y-N-J underscore or Patreon until then.